Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. Today we review the first day of F1 pre-season testing in 2020. I'm your host, Autosport Grand Prix editor Alex Kalanokas, and I'll be guiding you through this episode which will cover everything we learned on day one of the Barcelona track. In this opening segment, I chat with motorsport.com editor Jonathan Noble and Autosport F1 reporter Luke Smith about the headline takeaways from day one. The headline takeaways from today, Mercedes quickest and set the most laps. Now, are we surprised by that? What do we think? I think you're never surprised when Mercedes are quicker. So you don't win six back-to-back you know, world championship doubles out being the best out there. You know, the cars are an evolution of step over last year. You never expect them to be anywhere other than at the front. Um, I think what's more interesting is the kind of the switch you've seen with Ferrari. Last year, Ferrari were hit the ground running and testing quickest all the time, looked comfortable. Today, they've not appeared as, as confident. Um, straight on speeds look a little bit down. Um, you know, car not as on it as it was last year so maybe that's the little bit of a change dynamic there but it's only day one of testing of course indeed an interesting turnaround from last year and we know how that turned out ultimately with Mercedes taking two more championships now in the morning Valtteri Bottas topped the times from his first runs in the W11 before Lewis Hamilton the reigning world champion took over added uh, nearly 100 more laps by himself and uh, bettered the benchmark time so that's Mercedes covered off at the front Behind them came Racing Point with the new car they revealed this morning, which might look a little bit familiar because it's pretty damn close to what Mercedes produced last year. Yeah, I think it's a big statement of intent by them. You know, it's been a team that's always punched above its weight. It's had to fight against budgets and done a sensational job. They suffered in 2018, nearly went bankrupt, you know, nearly finished, but Lawrence Stroll came in. They've now got the money to do things, and I think it says a lot that they've deliberately said, right, we want to make a big step. We're going to go down the Mercedes concept and route. We know that works. We'll understand it. We'll try this for one year. 
I think it's quite exciting to get a team like this in the mix, potentially. Absolutely. And not only is it a fast-looking car, because it looks like the W10, Sergio Perez also set the day's uh, second fastest time in terms of teams for racing points. So, a good start for, for that squad. Uh, now, another team that's very happy, Williams. One that was very unhappy last year with its uncompetitive car, propping up the rear of the field. But uh, straight away from the off, having missed the first two days of testing last year, George Russell led the field out of the pits. He came out to the press conference at lunchtime, positively bouncing, wasn't he, John? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it was a tough, tough year for him last year. I know people said he did a fantastic job in difficult circumstances, but, you know, these guys aren't in Formula 1 to be at the back. They want to be pushing on. And you could sense today, you know, it was a bounce in him. He was winding Kimi up. He was winding the journalists up. Really happy. And I think really important that, you know, they, they got first out of the pits this morning. Good for the team. You know, it's been through the mill. So they've, they've got that going. And, but I think, George, also there's, there's a reality there that, you know, there's no World Championship points on offer today. It's a start. They've got a car. It's a platform to build on. I think and quite, quite good for Formula One to see Williams at least potentially in the mix. Oh, that historic name doing well would be brilliant. His teammate Nicholas Latifi took over in the afternoon. Good start for a rookie. Yeah, definitely. Again, just about getting those laps under your belt and just to, I think, settle any early nerves. That's what George Russell struggled with last year is that he came into his first season in F1 and didn't drive the car for the first two and a half days that he should have been. Um, so for Latifi, yeah, to hit the ground running today, got a good number of laps under his belt in the afternoon. Uh, yeah, I think a really positive start for the team all round. Uh, now, John, you mentioned uh, Ferrari earlier. They were in and out of the garage, particularly in the afternoon session. There were large chunks of time when Charles Leclerc was spent, uh, sat around waiting, and the, the team looked like they were doing various bits of work on the left-hand side of the car. As we record, we haven't heard from Charles, so we're going to go up and listen to his media session later on. Um, but maybe, perhaps, we're thinking that Ferrari might have had a little bit of fuel on board, so they can't be too disappointed. Obviously, it's, uh, it's, it's the first day, so the, these times are fairly meaningless at the moment, but... Very interesting to, to, to hear them say, uh, Sebastian Vettel was speaking ahead of the season, that, look, we got a bit overexcited going to Melbourne last year, so we're not going to do that this year. Might be that be something they'd be doing today? I think also it's understanding kind of the, the aero, where the aero balance is in this car. I mean, last year they went for high efficiency, you know, great straight line speed performance, lost out in the corners. And this track in particular, despite what happened in pre-season testing, this track in particular for the Grand Prix was a difficult one for them. They've chased more downforce this year. They think they need more performance in the corners to match Red Bull and match Mercedes. So what we saw today may just be the result of that, them you know, playing around with the downforce level, trying to work out where they need to be. Because you need to, you know, it's no good being super quick on the straights if you, you can't match them in the corners. So maybe they realise that they're going to have to sacrifice a bit of their straight line speed if they're going to match, the, match them in the, 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 the turny stuff. Absolutely. And now Charles Leclerc wasn't actually supposed to drive the car from the office this morning. It was supposed to be Sebastian Vettel, but uh, Ferrari reported that he not called in sick because he was certainly here at the track, but felt a bit unwell, so we didn't want to take the start there. We saw uh, a little bit on the me on the screens in the media centre. Didn't look terribly well. Perhaps he'd been up all night. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. We, we don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, he came in for the uh, driver's photo that they did on the main straight this morning, which was good. Um, but yeah, otherwise then Vettel swiftly left the circuit and uh, he'll be back tomorrow afternoon. So hopefully get a good night's sleep and uh, be back in the car tomorrow. What did you make of them all gathered on the on the pit straight? I know you were down in the pit lane when that was happening. Was it uh, an impressive sight? Um, I think it was quite cool. Um, it's nice to sort of get those sort of all the drivers together. I guess even just for those sort of promo shots and things like that. Um, a few of them taking it a little bit more seriously than others. Daniel Ricciardo was uh, pulling some funny faces. He was told you got to look really tough in this shot, and he was uh, sticking his tongue out and uh, shouting a few lewd words that we can't repeat on here. But uh, yeah, it was uh, good to see. I think everyone together, real sort of back to school feel today, which was nice. Absolutely. Now touching on the other, the final uh, of the big three teams. Red Bull probably had the most dramatic moments of the day when Max Verstappen spun twice entering the uh, the final uh, corners of the lap there John you went to his media session what was it, his explanation for those issues 
Well, the explanation was simply him trying to find the limits. He said once he touched the gravel on the outside, which sent him off, and the other time he hooked a curb. Um, usually when these things happen, sometimes if a driver spins in the same corner, you think, oh, must be a massive problem in slow speed or high speed, but he says none of the sort. Uh, Max was actually quite bullish. Um, you know, these, these TV scrums can be quite difficult because the same question gets thrown at drivers four or five times. Sometimes they can roll off the same answers, but you know, when he came around to our corner, he was quite optimistic. He said the car's fast everywhere. And it's even better on the reliability front. So I think that's as good as you get today from Max. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they've got what they need to move forward from here. Indeed. And it's interesting you mentioned reliability there. No red flag stoppages. So visibly, at least, all the cars look pretty reliable. Luke, is that just the, the natural result of the fact that these V6 turbo regulations are fairly mature now when you think about it? Yeah, we're into, what, year eight, I think it is, of these regulations. So it's, uh, yeah, I think that is just part of it, that the teams, they come with a new car. There's no sort of finding a new engine or dealing with any of that they have to deal with. Uh, but still, to have a day with no red flags whatsoever, no mistakes, it's incredible. Um, Carlos Sainz, he did the most laps of any driver, 161, and he said that they basically ran out of tyres, that he could have done even more laps. And by the end of the day, they were just doing sort of pit stop practice and sort of the ancillary things on the side. So it's, uh, yeah, I think a real statement of sort of where these regulations are. And uh, I think the cut from eight to six days of testing i don't think it's going to be too much of an issue this year in this second part of the podcast autosport technical editor and our in-house technical expert tim wright discuss some of the interesting new parts seen in the pit lane today and they explain which teams looked visually impressive on day one one of the most interesting things about pre-season testing finally getting underway is all the wonderful tech that we get to look at it's no holds barred no more launch specs all the teams are getting down to brass tacks I'm also joined by our technical expert, Tim Wright, who has been spending most of the day poring over the various bits of technology that we've seen across the Formula One grid. Tim, thank you very much for joining me. And one of the key things that we've seen from the first day of testing is finally the Racing Point RP20 after its livery launch last week. We got to see the full thing. Now, when it came out of the pits, it looked a lot like last year's Mercedes in a lot of ways and Mm. everyone on social media was raving about how it's just a pink Mercedes but you've had a look and there's a lot more than than meets the eye isn't there? Yeah there's um, these are subtle differences that I've noticed um, having been down into the pit lane and had a closer look Uh, it mainly concerns the the front wing Um, on first look it, it is very similar, but there are subtle differences with the flaps, the way the flaps, the, I mean, the, the shape and the arrangement of the flaps, the way they're mounted. Uh, the main plane itself is slightly less swoopy than the, the Mercedes. Uh, the pylons are slightly differently mounted, plus they have, don't have a what I would call a gurney on the bottom of lip. Uh, the other difference is, I would say, there are a lot less... That, I mean, the barge boards are similar, but there are a lot less fins than the Mercedes use. There are two um, sort of strakes along the side of the, the, the chassis, uh, which the Mercedes doesn't have. Those are the main differences that I, I can see just from peering into the garage. The racing point uses the Mercedes wind tunnel and obviously they've kind of thrown their lot in for for 2020. Does that kind of make sense to you as a kind of design standpoint or would you have gone for an evolution, do you think? No, I mean, it makes a certain amount of of, um, sense, but when you actually copy the sort of shape of the nose and everything, it looks a little bit too obvious. Um, Yeah, you're right. It's just a pink Mercedes, basically. Uh, and 
to be uh, fair to them, I mean, the pace this morning, certainly when they were running, was would look pretty good. Um, I think uh, Perez was quickest for quite some time before Bottas um, pipped him. But uh, so the car obviously works on a on a on a one lap. And just wandering around the pit lane as well, you had quite a lot of time to peer into what people are doing for this year. And what were other things that caught your eye? Well, I was mainly looking at uh, front wing setups um, as much as I can see. I mean, it's difficult. I mean, I know they're, they're not supposed to have boards and things up in front of the garages, but a lot of them still do. It's just interesting to see the philosophy behind the way people are, are trying to get the air to turn around the front wheel and, and, and use the barge boards. And... Um, there are, as I say, there you know there are as many iterations of that as there are teams in the pit lane. So it, it's it's just an interesting study. Um, I need to have a, a little bit more uh, insight into it to tomorrow or as the test goes on, and we'll you know we'll pick up some more bits and pieces as we go along. The other car, obviously, which is impressive today, was the Red Bull. And again, attention to detail on the front wing and, and around the, the barge boards, the, the scoops on the side of the nose. It's all very nicely done. And the interesting thing was that they seemed to have concentrated a lot more on running the hard tyre today. Uh, and their pace looks... I would say pretty good. The only other car I was impressed with was, uh, and it took a while for them to get going, was the Alfa Tori. And I think certainly their front end setup is very interesting. It's quite a difference to some of the others in, in the way that they've used the flaps. The flaps are bigger sections uh, so they, they're obviously loading the front a lot more uh, than they have done previously. Um, and it, it was a bit of a surprise because Kvyat obviously set that time just a slightly faster than Verstappen for a, a brief number of laps. So they've obviously got something. Um, yet to see what their long runs are like. We also got our first glimpse of the Renault uh, as well, which has kind of gone from Merck-style front end as well. Um, we only got glimpses of that last week on their sort of launch that wasn't a launch. But does it look impressive? Does it look like a car that can go and challenge the top three or the top four? Or is it still too early to say? It's, it's a bit early. Um, it was interesting that both the, uh, the Renault and the McLaren set virtually identical times um, so they've obviously picked something up um, because I think I think science this morning in the in the McLaren was taking advantage of, of the circuit conditions more than anything else um, but it certainly looks like uh, when Ricardo was driving it he was able to Ring a little bit more time out of the. So I mean, as we say, as as the test goes on, we'll we'll see a lot more. 
And now finally, Luke and I chat with motorsport.com news editor Val Harunji about Racing Point's rather familiar and possibly controversial 2020 car. Now, the team revealed its updated livery for 2020 earlier on this week, but they used an old 2019 car just to display that on there. Uh, and what we saw today was uh, was pretty dramatic. It was basically, let's face it, a clone of Mercedes W10. Would you agree with that assessment, Luke? Oh, entirely, yeah. Um, there was uh, uh, lots of criticism, uh, not criticism, observations, let's say, on Twitter about uh, how it looked so, so similar. I think you were one of them, wasn't it? I was one of them, yeah. Sort of the, the old... Um, can I copy your homework? Let's not make it too obvious. And then you see that. Um, yeah, no, very, very um, similar in terms of particularly look at the nose, very, very tight, very similar to the the successful W10 from last year. Um, and yeah, I think a really interesting and uh, real statement from uh, Racing Point about where they're going to go this year with the, the car's design. Just very quickly, Val, what do you think of the new pinker livery with BWT becoming a title sponsor? Yeah, it's, I mean... It's a pink livery. I don't. I don't think it's that big of a difference compared to what it was last year. I mean, we're used to this sort of being the the racing point. Look at this point, BWT with the amount of influence they've had on the livery, they may as well have been a title sponsor these past few years, and they've graduated to one now. It's fair enough. Looks fine. Yeah, I think it almost surprised many that they already weren't the title sponsor. Obviously, we had Sport Pacer last year on yeah. the car, but you know, just historically going back, this was the first time they are title sponsor. So, racing point. Pretty successful first day of 2020 testing. Second fastest team overall, and Sergio Perez put the third fastest time on the board. That's a pretty positive start for a team that's been through quite a lot over the last few years. It is, yeah, very, very good start. And I think that we're seeing the sort of back end of last year, the momentum they really built up um, starting to come through a lot more as well, which is great. Um, they really struggled through the beginning of 2019, I think as a sort of hangover from the issues they had through uh, 2018 and the transition from Force India to Racing Point. But uh, they've come through this preseason. I think it's probably been the most stable preseason and winter they've had in uh, many, many years. So it's, uh, yeah, I think a really good opportunity for them to get off to a good start and uh, make a solid footing and uh, yeah regardless of how they've gone about designing the car I think they have done that from day one to be uh, yeah immediately third fastest and uh, a really really good statement I think yeah we'll come on to that shortly because there might be some controversy especially other mm-hmm. teams they're feeling on the new racing point there and it was interesting I was at the at the livery launch earlier on this week in Austria and there was a real sense of optimism coming out of the team Sergio Perez particularly was like this is the best, you know, the best feeling we've had in a good few years. Uh, people are no longer doing several different jobs at the factory. It's obviously that that investment that came through, as you said, really starting to pay off. But Luke, obviously, you you were in the paddock a couple of years ago when Racing Racing Point, obviously then known as Force India, came very very close mm-hmm. to collapse. How tough was that on the team at the time? Yeah, very, very difficult. And you, it was a case of people not knowing what their futures were. And they, they were making travel arrangements. It was the Belgian Grand Prix weekend where everything happened. Um, they're making travel arrangements and they're like unsure of what was going to happen. Like, Would they be uh, there racing? Would they be there racing on zero points? What, what would be going on? And uh, yeah, then uh, that weekend, incredible. I think they lined the cars up on the grid third and fourth. And it was a real sort of uh, yeah uh, phoenix rising from the flames that they managed to get back on. On just racing alone that was amazing uh, let alone to be so competitive and uh, yeah obviously these things take a while to sort of come through and um, I guess sort of gestate but they are uh, yeah now we're really starting to see I think the, the fruits of uh, what the new racing point operation can do and uh, looking to the future as well when we've got the Aston Martin deal coming up as well I think it's uh, it's a really promising sign I think coming out of the team it's all very positive and uh, yeah I think they've got a lot to be very excited about this season now Val I'm going to put you on the spot here if you were Aston Martin and Racing Point came to you and said, we're really looking forward to having to be no, being known as Aston Martin next year, but we want to keep the car pink, how would you feel about that as a big, quite serious manufacturer, let's face it? Aston Martin clearly likes being associated with Formula One, so 
if that's what it takes with a with a team that's if we're being honest been the best value for money in Formula One maybe of the past decade you could say uh, I'd do it but I, I don't know I mean that's one you have to clear with the with the marketing mods I do have to say though about the first day of testing we're all obviously very impressed we're very impressed with the Perez lap time I think we're even more impressed with the Mercedes W10 as a, a racing car and its reincarnation obviously let's not get carried away because I remember last year another car that was quite similar to another car, the Haas, showed up looked fantastic in Barcelona looked amazing and then obviously the season was what it was. Racing points is not, it's not inoc inoculated from that so that could also happen. There are lots of teams in this paddock today that felt they had a really good day Racing Point was definitely not alone in that um, but yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a good start and certainly if I'm Aston Martin, I'm quite happy to look at it, especially given the team's history, given how good it's been on a tight budget historically. Mm. Now, that's interesting you mentioned Haas there, because as you say, been a bit, bit of controversy in the past with certain Haas cars looking quite similar to previous Ferraris. Uh, Racing Point in the past has not been afraid to pull punches there and criticise that. So Luke, can you particularly tell us why the, 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 the new Racing Point looking like the W10 might be not go down too well at Haas in particular? Uh, yeah, Gunther Steiner um, in his rather forthright and outspoken nature, as we've all seen on Netflix. Um, yeah, he, he said that basically teams, they can make these comments in the past and then it kind of has a funny way of coming back to bite them and uh, and be reminded of you've made these comments. And uh, yeah, Force India in the past and um, Omar Safnauer um, obviously was then, uh, I can't remember his exact role with Force India, but is now team principal at uh, Racing Point. Um, he was very, very open about saying, questioning this relationship between Ferrari and Haas. And uh, now it looks like that... Um, Racing Point are going down a similar avenue with Mercedes and uh, their technical chief Andrew Green says today that they share a lot of stuff with Mercedes, they've got a gearbox they've got the power unit and it's sort of just an extension of that basically with this design and what they're doing um, but yeah I think Haas and Steiner was very sort of like taking the more high ground and saying he's not going to sort of dig in too much but he just found it very interesting to see that uh, yeah you've got um, another team going down that route I think probably the bigger complaints will come from the more independent teams such as McLaren such as Williams who obviously have none of this kind of relationship and uh, yeah I think they may be more uh, more angsty about the situation Mm, disappointing that Steiner didn't give her a bit of a sweary rant but there we go yeah unfortunately can't, can't yeah. but I mean end of the month Netflix comes out and we'll get to see all of that absolutely uh, now Val would you say that Racing Point having close ties to Mercedes how much does that make sense for the outfit the way Formula 1 is right now especially before the 2021 overhaul I mean as Andy Green put it it made perfect sense for them to look at the quickest car from last year and base their their design around that and if it doesn't work if they haven't been able to capture the essence well you know one year lost but it's a clean slate next year anyway um it makes perfect sense but also the way i looked at it it maybe isn't i wouldn't say it's good or bad for formula one because it's it's not like a value thing or anything like that is it's it's how the sport is but it, it does make you think of i'm somebody who covers my ogp a lot and i remember liking likening the the new racing point to like an avincia ducati or something like that and you have to wonder whether in, in this current two-tier Formula One, if it if it stays that way in 2021, whether we're going we're going to start to see actual satellite teams without even any pretense, the listed parts are going to decrease, and at some point, folks are just going to start running year-old cars. 
yeah, very possibly that could be controversial for for the future. And um, now, interesting what you said there about Andy Green saying, well, if it doesn't, if it's just only one year, it doesn't matter. We can sort of almost write it off, looking for twenty twenty one if it does prove to be a disaster. But I took that to mean it, well, not, it's certainly one interpretation that could be like, look, this is we've got some pretty solid backing behind us now. That's a good, that's a re, that's a show of faith. You know, okay, let's try something with Mercedes. Let's see where it leads us heading into twenty twenty one. So Lawrence Stroll clearly has come in and and made pretty serious uh, serious investment immediately yeah definitely and uh, I think there's maybe less of the pressure about that that prize money situation where I guess they were sort of thinking look we need to be fourth fifth in the constructors championship to make sure we get that prize money so we can stay afloat and survive let alone to, uh, to to flourish but now it's a case of that yeah they can roll the dice a bit and if it doesn't work this year if they end up uh, sort of towards the rear of the pack then uh, at least they've given it a go but there's no longer this sort of issue that if we're not here in, this, in the championship then we're facing a really uncertain future they know 2021 when they become Aston Martin, that's already secure. That is happening. Um, so yeah, it must be quite nice to sort of have that, I guess, that freedom to be able to say, look, we're going to take a risk and do something a, a little bit different. And if it works, it could pay off really, really well for them. Mm. Now tomorrow, is the, we're already approaching the midway point through the first test, which is a bit bizarre, really, because it was only three days as opposed to four. Mercedes utterly dominant on day one. Ferrari perhaps a little bit downbeat or certainly not as cheery as they were last year. Red Bull had a couple of spins. And as we said, Racing Point, very positive start for that team. Williams as well, obviously very pleased. What are you guys expecting from day two at Barcelona, Val? I've, I've spent much of the day looking at the, at the timing screens and at Mercedes long runs in particular and everybody else's long runs. Didn't love what I saw. So I'd, I'd like to not see a confirmation of that. Mercedes looked like obviously the only team on the grid that could do one minute 18 second laps basically at the snap of a finger um, a lot of people have been impressed with Red Bull obviously we don't know what engine modes what fuel they've been running um, Ferrari showed nothing but according to Leclerc that's that's by design but at the same time I guess he wouldn't say he looked too jubilant but maybe you don't look jubilant after 10 hours of testing uh, so it's it's hard to make any sort of real predictions. We're going to see more of the cards being shown. It, it's it's been really hard to say, tell anything from this first day of testing, really, apart from everybody looks much closer than they did last year, which is lovely. And Mercedes is going to be great. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say Leclerc. We were all at his media session after the, after the action today, and he did look like he was playing holding his cards quite close to his chest. Uh, Luke, what did you make of, of his reaction to today? Yeah, I'd agree with that. And he, he said how they wanted to be more uh, measured in their approach and that instead of going for performance straight out of the box, they were thinking a bit more about taking things step by step because, uh, yeah, we all remember last year that Ferrari turned up were dominant they had a day similar to Mercedes did this year and then we all left testing going oh well Ferrari are going to be the team to beat this year and, and finally take the fight to Mercedes and that turned out to be a long way from the truth so uh, yeah Ferrari I think cooling expectations a little bit but at the same time there was no there was no sort of spark about what Leclerc was saying and he, he was like yeah we're sort of looking at a more flexible setup on the car and things like that and uh, we want to sort of be a bit, a bit more measured and performance will come further down the line but um, I think going back to your original question like looking at tomorrow I want to see more from Ferrari I want them to say look okay we are taking things step by step but this is an early sign an early taste of what our car can do because uh, yeah we got some of that from Mercedes today and as Bal said with that consistency over the long runs I think Ferrari if they can try and bring some of that tomorrow I think that would be a a heartening sign for the, the title race Absolutely. Well, I want to see what Renault can do tomorrow. I think that's one to keep an eye on because McLaren put in a lot of laps today. Interesting to see what the Renault team does tomorrow. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Autosport Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with our analysis of day two from Barcelona. And finally, thank you to our editor Martin Lee for producing this episode. 
Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. However you want to make a splash this year, Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds can help every step of the way. Wool Runner Mizzles are shoes crafted with premium, supernatural weather-repellent materials. The high-top uppers are moisture-wicking merino wool with puddle guard technology, and the supernatural rubber treads ensure all-weather traction, so you can jump into anything, rain or shine. Make a splash with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.